and there's a problem in the church and our identity has been stolen by a thief and the thief comes to steal kill and destroy he's not nice about this he cares less about you the more harm he can do to you the happier he is even if he can't get you because you belong to Jesus he wants to destroy whatever Jesus has deposited in you he wants you to uh, 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 forsake your identity and your calling because if you don't know who you are you won't act like who you should be Do you understand that and so we've not been acting like children of God <clears throat> or identifying with who we are somebody help me here <coughs> And so, uh, now I can sell cough drops. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take them. You folks are awesome. <clears throat> All right. We're good. And so he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he did it to Jesus, thank you. Oh, you're great, Chris. Hasn't been opened yet. I'll open it. If he did it to Jesus, what makes you think he wouldn't do it to you? And if he tried to accomplish that with Jesus, he's, he's certainly, uh, uh, you're an easier target, if I may say so. And so, what do I mean by that is that when Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And after the fast, after the fast, the devil came to tempt him. After the fast, that's when you would be filled with the most power. That's when you would be yielded unto God in the greatest way. And isn't it interesting, that's where he came in. Many times when you're on a high, the enemy's just ready to trip you because farther you will fall. And so this theft comes, this thief, and I want you to understand how he operates and what he tried to do. He immediately went to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, how dare you even ask that? How dare you even make that statement to the Son of the living God? Why would he even try to do that when 40 days earlier a voice from heaven thundered out into this atmosphere, this is my beloved Son. At the beginning of his ministry, listen to him, he is my beloved Son. The Spirit lights upon him and evidences and manifests the anointing of the Melchizedek priesthood upon him to walk in authority and power. And this spirit of Satan comes and says, if you are. The first thing he wants to mess with is Jesus' identity. It's the first place of attack, and he'll do it to you. He's been doing it to us. And we've lost our identity. Our identity has been attacked and stolen. If you are the Son of God, and then he said, if you're the Son of God, after 40 days, you're probably hungry. Turn the stones into bread. You could do it. Come on, you can do it. Then he said, look at... He, he said, why don't you, uh, why don't you jump off a, a, a cliff? The angels will uh, help you. They'll, they'll take care of you. Prove you're the son of God. Show the manifestation of your, your greatness and importance. And then he said, look at all the nations. I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. All the nations. And so you know, Paul says we are not to be ignorant of his devices. No, he, he says this. Actually, let me correct that. He said, we are not ignorant of his devices. He doesn't say we shouldn't be ignorant. He said we're not ignorant. So if you do something in full knowledge, 
not because of ignorance. That's just double stupid. Wouldn't you agree? And I've been there. I don't want to offend. I just want to get there quicker, okay? And so we are not ignorant of his devices. And his devices have been the same from the beginning of time to ask about your identity. He did it to Eve. He did it to Jesus. And he's doing it to you and I. And John says there are three devices and ways, tactics, that he approaches us. He says everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. These three enticing things lead to one thing, self, self, and self. If you're the Son of God, you fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Turn this stone into bread. Why? Because your flesh, lust of the flesh, you're hungry. You're hungry, Jesus. And if Jesus would turn his gaze from the Father to himself, even just to have a bite to eat, he would have destroyed the identity of Christ. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a piece of bread. There's, you did the fast, Jesus. You did. You went the 40 days. You did it. Good job. Come on, have a piece of bread. Make it rye. Make it matzah. Make it whatever you want. Make it a good piece of bread. Pumpernickel. Come on, son of God. Come on, son of God. You can do this. And it would turn his gaze from father to self. And the minute you and I turn to self, we're losing our identity in him. Then he says, look at if you, if, if you would even just jump off the steeple here and the angels would take care of your life. You're that important. And the psalmist says that you would be protected and you would be safe. He's quoting Bible verses. The devil will do that. You're important, Jesus. They'll save your life. Your life is important, Jesus. You're important. You're important. And the minute he would do that to prove his importance... Why would he have to do that when the Father had already declared, this is my beloved Son? Why do we have to prove ourselves over and over when God has already put his Spirit in us? We lose our identity, that's why. We lose our way. And last of all, he said, I could have this whole world bow down before you. The pride of life. Pride of life. Go ahead. Pride of life. Jesus didn't need the whole world to bow down before him. It will when he obeys the Father's will before ours. And so all I want to tell you is that there's an identity theft going on. It started with the devil even approaching Jesus. He'll try to attack you and I. And the minute we are more concerned about our identity and self-identity, we lose the fact that we've been identified by God. And so we have forgotten foundations. These foundations are essential. I'm going to go over them to restore anything that you have lost in your identity. And many of us have been lost in our identity. Many of you don't know it. There is ignorance here. Many of you don't understand what Scripture says about your salvation. And for many, salvation is nothing more than having accepted Jesus as your Savior and then you live your life till you die or He returns and you try to get by the best you can. And that's not coming into your identity. That is not understanding who you are. And God is restoring the foundations of his church for his people to know who they are so that they can accomplish what he has called us to accomplish in this hour. Amen? 
So the first foundation we have to look at is justification. The fact that you have been justified. That means that all judgment and punishment against your sins were put on Jesus on the cross. You will not be punished nor judged for your sins. You need to understand what justification is. I'm going to read a lot of Bible verses for you this morning. And if you can't keep up with them, you can listen on on our website. But you need to just soak in these truths, all right? And so Colossians 2, 13, 14 says, He forgave us all our trespasses, canceling the debt ascribed to us In the decrees that stood against us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Justification means that the legal prosecution against your sins was nailed to the cross in Jesus Christ. The law of Moses was nailed to the cross through Christ who fulfilled it to perfection. You are not condemned for your sins in the past, in the present, and what is to come. You're not condemned from them. You're covered. Now, who made this decree? The Father did. Jesus was the agent by which he paid the price for our sins. He took the wrath of God's judgment against your sin. Don't think for a minute that this forgiveness was easy. Don't think for a minute or flippantly that he just winked at it. He forgave me, I'm okay, and if I sin tomorrow, I'm fine. How dare us ever consider how lightly the penalty for sin was. It was an eternal judgment put upon the eternal Christ who endured it for three hours because of his glory and his innocence. He could accomplish that. But it says he forgave how much? All our trespasses, having canceled out the debt that was ascribed to us, that stood against us. He nailed it to a cross, and then he says that's exactly what disarmed the enemy and the principalities because he could no longer blame us guilty against the law. Amen? So this guilt and this condemnation is not from the Father. The Father decreed. The Father made a legal declaration. Legally in the universe and according to God's law, you are forgiven. You are innocent. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ By not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So Paul then ends that statement by saying and imploring, therefore be reconciled. And many of you had this identity, this justification stolen from you, robbed from you, and you think that you are further from God because of your failures and your sins. You've not reconciled with the fact that the Father has forgiven you of all sin. If he doesn't, the blood's not good enough. If you walk around still condemned of your sin, still trying to work out some level of penance, some way that you could get a a better communication with God because you know you really messed up and it was really bad, uh, then you're not understanding the power of the blood of Jesus. And so he has absolutely reconciled you to himself. Now, who reconciled you? Jesus? God the Father reconciled the world through Jesus. Because we all like Jesus. He's nice. He's friendly. We love Jesus. Jesus is cool. He's a nice guy. But the Father 
cranky old guy that he is, you got it all wrong, and you've been robbed. You've been robbed. You have been justified. That is a legal declaration by the Father that your sin is forgiven. It is gone. So what are you doing visiting it and offending the blood of Jesus? It is gone. And some of you need to walk in this justification and walk in this aspect. Acts 13, 39, Paul starts preaching. He says, by him, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. I just discovered this verse. I think they put it in last night. I had never read this verse in my life. You ever have that happen to you? It's like, man, I, I, where did this come from? Everything the law of Moses could not free you from. Do you know what the law of Moses could free you from? Nothing. All it ever did was point out your failure to the holiness of God. It could do nothing for us. But what this verse says is that Jesus, everyone who believes in him, has freed you from the condemnation of the law. Because that law was nailed to that tree. Jesus paid it in full. If you don't think he paid it in full, fine. Walk around with your guilty, shameful self. Thinking you're doing the work of the Holy Spirit. The law condemns. The law condemns. The Spirit convicts. Huge difference. The law condemns. The Spirit convicts. And now there's a change now. You're not being dealt with as a sinner. You're being dealt with as a saint. You're being dealt with as a child. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First of all, just understand the fact that your sins have been forgiven. That's justification. That's justification. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, you're not going to go to hell. You're not going to be judged by your sin. Because that's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. The sin was already dealt with. It's been dealt with. And so praise God. Since we've been justified, we have peace with the Father. Some of you have been robbed of the peace between Father and you. Be reconciled. I implore you, be reconciled. Father is waiting for the hug. Father is waiting for the embrace. But you think you have to clean yourself up there. You can't get any cleaner than what Jesus cleaned you with. Come to this love. Come to this place of justification. And if this has hit anybody, understand you've been robbed. You've been lied to. And you've been self-examining instead of blood-examining. Amen? Last of all, 833. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, not you. God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And do you know what he's interceding for? You to get the understanding that you're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're justified. So you can enter into his presence with confidence or boldness. There's no more hiding. There's no more shame. You fell down, get back up. You sinned and the agent of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going right into the area of sin to highlight what's broken, what's wounded, and why you did it. Now let's work on it. No condemnation. Let's get this thing fixed so I can bring victory to that place of your vulnerability. Would you do any less for your child? 
your child who, who does wrong, who fails, what's the first thing you do? You immediately address the problem. You immediately correct the child. You immediately strengthen that child and say, this is what we're going to do to fix this thing. Amen. And that's the condition of justification. Secondly, sanctification. See, once you've been justified, people say, oh, that's dangerous, Pastor. You're telling people they don't have to have guilt or shame. They don't have to have any sense of condemnation. For Ooh, that's going to give them license to sin. No, it isn't. Because if they take a license to sin, then I question whether they're even born again. Because your identity has been stolen again to think that you can get away with sin and live to self when you've been bought with a price and you're no longer your own. There's something called sanctification. You've been the elect. You've been called aside. And if you don't understand this, then you're never going to overcome sin. God gave you power now to overcome sin. You see, the sin issue had to be dealt with. That's justification. Sin was dealt with so that it could be eradicated from you, so then he could put in his spirit of holiness into you. Couldn't go in there unless your sin was dealt with. Who's got the Holy Spirit in him? then your sin has been dealt with because the Holy Spirit couldn't reside in you if it still abided in you. Does this make sense to you? So the sin issue's done by the blood. Now the Spirit dwells in you, and He's sanctifying you. You've become a saint. You're no longer identified by your sin. You're identified by your Savior. Romans 6, 6 says, We know that our old man was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer would be enslaved to sin. The body of sin, that, that identity in Adam, that sinful nature, has been crucified with Christ. You were identified in His death. You were there at that cross. That's what salvation is, putting your faith in the Lamb who died for you. But my sin's on that cross. And so your sin is imputed to that cross. And because it is now the body of sin, that old man, that, that nature from Adam has been put to death and a new nature is birthed in you, you are now identified in Christ Jesus. You are identified as Christ Jesus. You are sanctified. You are sacred. You have become holy. Some of you don't act like it. That's because you don't understand your identity. That's because you're feeding your flesh. The old man's been put to death. The problem is we're still in an old container. This old container still has been activated by patterns, behaviors, and ideas and weaknesses that we still get hung up on. But if you would understand that the new nature is greater than your flesh, he wants to put the body of sin to death. That body of sin is crucified and put away. 6.11. Oops, I went past it. Oh, I don't have it. I'll read it. 6.11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. This word consider, in the King James it's reckon yourselves. Romans 6.11, reckon yourselves dead to sin or consider yourselves dead to sin. A better word for it is impute, imputed to you is the fact that you have power over sin. Sin is dead. Sin is dead. Many of you have your identity stolen and you're letting zombies of sin walk around in your life. 
But sanctification says that I, I am a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. All things have become new. I have a new identity. I have a new nature. And that nature reckons sin as dead. That's my identity. Sin comes knocking. I say, that's stupid. I don't want you. I don't need you. I'm separated unto God, not this world. I'm not fighting sin for my nature. I'm fighting sin from my nature. And this is the difference where many have lost their identity. They're fighting against sin, trying to become sanctified, trying to become holy and greater measures of holy. You're holy right now because of the gift of God. It's a gift from God. And so you're living out of that nature, not trying to acquire that nature. Because you can't. You and I can't. Many of us have been living like Adam believers. Many of us have been living out of the flesh, trying to perfect the flesh. And Jesus has a remedy for the flesh. Kill it! But if you would live out of the new nature that you have, the identity that you are a saint of God, you have power over sin, you walk under the authority of the Holy Spirit, then you do not have to sin unto him who is able to keep us from falling. Did you know that verse in Jude? He's able to keep you from falling. And I love the theologians, I love the folks who say, well, come on now, let's not say that we can't sin, we're always going to sin. Well, if you're going to hit that mark, good luck with that. You've got an excuse for every sin. I'd want to live towards the one that he can keep me from sinning. I'm going to live in that promise. I'm going to live out of that anointing, amen? Oh, but that brings us to righteousness. You've forgotten who you are. The law condemns, but the love convicts. And so, righteousness, Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of His glorious grace. All of this is accomplished by grace, not by works, not by effort. And again, there's where your identity loss is. You think you have to perform for God's grace. That is a complete contradiction to the Word. You can't perform for grace. You live out of it. You live because of it. You destroy sin because of the provision of grace, because of the provision of the Holy Spirit, to the praise of His glorious grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I am right with God. I have a right relationship with God, righteousness. And it's not just a meager relationship. It's not just the best based on my abilities. It is the exact right relationship that Jesus has with the Father. Yeah. Oh, don't look at me as if I did something. Ooh, he's a pastor. He's closer to God. No. No, that's, again, don't get, you're, you're, you're a wrong identity. That, wrong identity. Listen, I have the same righteousness that Jesus has with the Father. Why? It was given to me. It was given to me. He says this, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to become sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That word become, we might become the righteousness of God. That word in the Greek means to begotten, to be begotten, to come forth. That we become in our birth 
the righteousness of God. There was an exchange at the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so our sin was put here in him, and he being perfect was nailed here, the law completed, and his right relationship with the Father was given to us. The exchange took place. I'm the righteousness of God, are you? We are the righteousness of God. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, who are we talking about? No. You're, you're hypnotized. Now, come on. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, Adam, Adam, you with me? You see it? Let's do it again. For if by the trespass, that's a sin, for if by the sin of the one man, death reigned through that one man, that is, okay, how much more will those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is a genealogy. If you're in Adam, death reigns over you. But if you would come to the cross where the exchange is made, your sin is justified, the Spirit is put in you, sanctifying you, you are then made righteous in a new nature in Christ Jesus. Death doesn't reign over you, but you reign over life. You'll go beyond this life. You'll reign in eternal life through Jesus Christ. So are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Make up your mind. Because some think, I'm still in Adam. I'm still a sinner. Jesus forgave me. And I'm doing the best I can. The best you can will always send you to hell. Can I help you understand that? You see, now, now you've got to begin to understand the abundant provision of grace. The minute you get into this equation, you're all wrong. Your identity's stolen. The minute you turn a stone into bread, your identity is stolen. The minute you think you add something to your sanctification, your identity is stolen. The minute you think God's love for you is based on whether you were good today or bad today, you have lost your identity. Because if we didn't have this, we would all be walking around lost in our identity. If it was a matter of your performance, we would all be so lost. But this grace has justified you. Your sin is done with. And then he empowered you with the spirit of holiness to conquer sin in the patterns in your flesh and in your body, to overcome it. Then he then said, this, my beloved, you're accepted in me. I love you to perfection. I love you perfectly. And then he goes on and he says this, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, all our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's cleansing. He's washing. See, he's accepted you. If, if this was a temporary thing just to basically see how you perform and then I'll get rid of you if you're not good enough, try that in your marriage. Huh? Well, actually people do it. They're called trial marriages. Have you heard of that? trial marriages people get get married to see if they like it or not if it doesn't work they get divorced that's what many people think about their salvation that I, yeah i'll take jesus because i need him i'm in i'm in terrible trouble and then boy i better perform or he's going to get rid of me you know what you're already gone 
you don't understand your identity. Listen, I'm preaching Bible. Some of you are saying, that's not what I learned. Because you've been taught traditions of men. This is scripture. Have, have I, did I go anywhere except scripture? If we confess our sins, he is faithful. That's relationship. And just, that's legality. He is legally, if he, if he declared you justified, he legally is bound to keep you. And in relationship, he's faithful to keep you. And all he asked of you was to confess or agree with him as to what sin is. That's what confess means, to agree. Do you agree that you're a sinner? Or that you were a sinner? If you've come to that agreement, now we can move on. Now, he'll be faithful and legally just to forgive you of all, all, all unrighteousness. But we get stuck on time. Well, I know he forgave me of my past. And right now I'm kind of like doing the best I can. But in the future, he can't forgive that. I mean, how could he forgive my willful sinning? Let me ask you one question. When did you not willfully sin? I fell. You didn't fall. We didn't, you like these words? Oh, I fell to sin. You chose sin. James tells us that sin, it, sin comes into us when we are tempted and our lust gives birth to it. Now, your flesh may have overcome you to sin, but God already understands your failures and your weaknesses and knowing that you are crippled and knowing that you uh, are, are ignorant in many things, He will cover you and care for you. Oh my gosh, what a love. See, if you can't handle that, you've lost your identity. This is the abundant provision of grace. Every word he said before justification, before he says sanctification, before he says righteousness is for us to celebrate grace. It's not a sloppy grace. I told you this. It's not a grace that says, oh, I can just go sin. No, that's not your nature. That is not your identity. Your identity is holiness. Your identity is sanctification. The worst thing that you could think of is sinning. And you will not, and you won't, and you don't want to. But sometimes you choose to. And then the Spirit brings conviction. And the, and, and the relationship that you have with Him makes you cry out and weep over your sin. Which brings us to adoption. So He dealt with your sin. Legally, it's done. It's over. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. He filled you with His nature and sanctified you with His holiness so now he gave you a new nature to walk and defeat sin. You don't have to fall to it anymore. And he made you righteousness. It was a gift of righteousness. It is a birthright. You are right in relationship with God because you're in Christ Jesus. And so therefore he adopts you as his own. You belong to him. If some of you are still wondering if you're his or not, you've lost your identity. You've been robbed. You've been fooled. But adoption says this, John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God to those who believe in his name. That is a title. A son of God is one who holds the authority of the Father. A son of God is one who speaks the will of the Father. A son of God is the favored one of the Father. 
You've become. He says, you have been given the right, exousia in the Greek. In King James it says, the power to become. But it's not the dunamos of the Holy Spirit in you. It is the exousia or the authority of a position of honor. You are a son of God. You're a son of God. That means you can speak for the Father's behalf. In fact, there is what's called in adoption, and Paul speaks of it. He says, you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Who cries Abba, Father? In Galatians, he says, the spirit cries Abba, Father. How many of you need the spirit to cry out, Abba, Father, to remind you of your identity? See, if it was just left up to us, we'd forget about it. But he put the Spirit in you as a beacon light to continually speak out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, to remind you who you are. Here Paul says, if you would say it in agreement, you could walk it out. The Spirit in me says, Abba, Father, I cry out with him, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God, children of God. And if children, then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Come on. Are you kidding me? You stand and you sit on the throne with Christ Jesus. Do you understand what this means? Do you understand the implication of this? We call the Father glorious, but we call Jesus brother. Of course he's glorious. Of course he's the son of God. Of course all that. But what God is, it hasn't minimized Jesus, but it has elevated you. God has permitted you to call Jesus co-heir. That means everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to whom? You don't believe it. Look, at we don't believe it. We've lost our identity. If we believed this, we would pray differently. Jesus is interceding right now in heaven, day and night, as a high priest. That is his function in this age, to minister the will of the Father. He's interceding for you who have the right to inherit it, and no one's asking for an inheritance. He's begging you, and the Spirit is groaning inside of us, groaning groaning to birth the will of Father. When we are ignorant and too weak to know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes with groanings, birth pangs within us because He knows the will of the Father and the Father knows the heart and the mind of the Spirit. And He's groaning that you would call out as an adopted Son of God, the will of God, the Father, into the earth. And I haven't done it enough. I quit on him because the devil comes in and robs me of my identity and says, you don't know I'm good enough. Must be sin in you because the prayers aren't answered. Why don't you quit? Why don't you stop? Anybody had their identity stolen like me? But the spirit then, something happens. Oh God, thank you for something happening. There'll be times I'll watch a movie or they'll be hearing a song or uh, reading a verse or, or something even out of the blue and I'll, I'll hear it. I'll hear that. Abba. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And he'll remind me of his character. He'll remind me of his nature. He'll remind me who he is. And the Spirit reminds me, you've been robbed. 
you've been robbed again. You've been robbed again. Who are you? And he makes me stand up and recognize I'm a son of God. I can trust my God. I'm an heir to the throne of God. And I can declare and decree the will of God. I told you I started this message out with Jesus being baptized and God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased and the Spirit driving Him into the wilderness. That time when Jesus was baptized, He was 30 years old. Baptism has nothing to do with age, but at 30 years old in Judaism, when the Father was ready to put the full sonship adoption authority on His Son, He had to wait till He was 30. When He was 30, He would bring His Son out to the public square, and He would announce, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Because all authority of the Father was now put on the Son. The Son could make all decisions for the Father. The Son could write and sign for the Father. The Son could decree and give orders according to the Father's house and real estate and plantation because the Son had come into full adoption authority. And so what Paul is saying to you is that because you've accepted Christ Jesus, you are adopted into the full sonship of authority. And the devil doesn't want you to understand that. 1 John 4, 17. By this love perfected with us so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment. Wow. Whoever thought that you'd be confident on the day of judgment? You're all scared of the day of judgment because your identity's been stolen. You've been robbed. You've been ripped off. You've, you've been robbed to where you can't enjoy the day of judgment. <laughs> Who'd have thought? You have confidence on the day of judgment. See, I, I understand what this means because there are times I used to come home and I would tell my kids, I want your room cleaned when I got home. And when I got home, they would either come running to the door and I would know, okay, or I couldn't find them. Don't know where they were. I just have to walk to the room and guess what I found. You see, if you understand your identity that you have been justified, you are sanctified, you are in right relationship, and you are adopted as a son of God, I'm going to look forward to the day of judgment. Amen. Why? Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now that verse has got to freak you out. We are living so under that verse. Are you acting like Jesus right now in this world? Are we walking in the authority of Jesus? As, as, do we have the relationship with the Father as Jesus does? Do we walk without the fear of condemnation? Do we walk in such righteousness? But that's who you are. That's who you are. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, as he is right now, as he is. What's his relationship with the Father? That's yours. What's his ministry right now with the Father? That's yours. What's he saying right now in, in the love and the relationship between him and the Father? That's yours. Come on, how many of you agree we've been robbed? We've been robbed. Our solution to this, as the enemy comes to rob you of your identity, 
to guilt you and shame you and to condemn you, you say, it is written. I've been justified. Just like Jesus defeated him in the desert, you say, it is written. When he says, you're not holy, you're not sanctified, you just tell him, it is written that the spirit of holiness abides in me and he is conquering and crushing sin in me. And Father has rescued me from my failure and I'm going to overcome that sin and I'm going to defeat it and I'm going to put you under my feet. It is written, Romans 6, 19, soon the God of peace will put you under my feet, Satan. And then when he says you don't have a right relationship with God, you say, it is written. It doesn't depend on how I feel. It doesn't depend on my righteousness. It is a birthright. I am in right relationship. It is written. Last of all, when you're in prayer and you command the will of God because you're a son of God and you command healing and you declare God's answer for something and he says it'll never happen. It's not going to come to pass. It's not going to work. You say, it is written. I am a son of God, I'm a co-heir with Christ Jesus, and I am an heir to God in all things, and I decree what God's Spirit has told me to decree, and I'm going to stand on it. It is written. Don't let him rob you of your identity in Jesus Christ. Would you say amen with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Stand with me.